Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? On that day, Howard a dream, cowboys. Welcome back. We're the HBO boys talking about Lovecraft Country. Season one, season one. Are we doing a season two? Let's find out. Episode seven, entitled I Am, directed by Charlotte Seagring and written by Misha Green and Shannon Houston. This is James speaking, and and, and I think I th- we got on the show this guy, Ryan. Hello, I'm Ryan. I like how formal you're being right now. So, this episode, mixed bag, I thought, because, as we've said many times, I think Lovecraft Country is at its strongest when it's, like, doing the character vignettes, and at its weakest when it's doing the continuity stuff, and, right. and there was a bit too much continuity packed in the first part, and, and then as soon as they got to, like, the Hippolyta character vignette, it got really, really good. Yes. The first half of this episode was exposition dump after exposition dump. You're not a huge fan of any part of Lovecraft Country where Christina is at all involved, and she was in the first half of it. We did get some Tech and Letty and Ruby updates, as well as some pre-Hippolyta vignette D and Hippolyta updates. But yeah, it was basically two shows packed into one. The director this time around, Charlotte Siegling, she is a Danish actor and film director who, she's done a lot of different TV episodes. She directed one episode of The Americans, two episodes of The Strain, which was a show that I liked. That was a Guillermo del Toro horror show about vampires starring the bad guy from Ant-Man. I liked it. Okay. She also has directed a show that stars... Sidney Babbitt Knudsen, who played Teresa on Westworld, one mm-hmm. of my favorite season one characters, who, you know, is, isn't around anymore, which is a spoiler, but you know what? We're two or three seasons into Westworld. I, I can't help anybody anymore. Right. Go watch episode six of season one to get that content. Before we get started, we should mention we have a Patreon, guys. You might want to check it out. There's bonus content on there. A dollar a month, you get more episodes. Uh, Discord chat, we can talk to Ryan and I, and we'll shout your name out at the end of each episode. In fact, we were supposed to be dark this week, and we were going to do two episodes of Lovecraft Country next week. But, you know what, I said to Ryan, I'm like, Ryan, you know, uh, we have these patrons, and and because of them, let's do episode seven this week. Mm-hmm. That is the exact reason it's not that you can't read a calendar. To be honest, I thought my kids were going to have school off all this week, and then when I found out they did have school Monday and Tuesday, but I didn't have work, I'm like, holy shit. Chusuk is the greatest holiday of all time. My my life has drastically become better for these two days. Hallelujah. And then you're like, well, I guess for one of those days I can podcast if I must. The episode begins with Hippolyta reaching the destroyed mansion from episodes one and two. And she finds Dee's drawing there, which confirms that, like, you know, George was here. He wasn't, you know, killed in the woods by a sheriff. He was in some kind of mansion collapsing incident. She also finds a piece of wood with a symbol on it matching one on the orrery, which, by the way, we got an iTunes review that said the word orrery is not the correct word, but it is. That's infuriating. Anyway. I mean, if if, if that's that's true, take it up with the show. We got it from the show, all right? Write into Lovecraft Country Writers and tell them it's the wrong word. It just reminds me of the people who thought we really worked for HBO. Just, like, Google anything at all. Once they get home to Chicago, she unlocks the secret of the orrery and opens up the sun, 
which has inside of it a key and a strange cryptic message and then geographic coordinates to follow. So this is going to be the Hippolyta episode that we've been waiting for so long for. But wait 25 minutes. So we have 25 minutes of exposition to get through. Right. Once we get through all the bullshit. So at Christina's mansion, she takes Ruby down to her lab. She explains what happened to the original William. He was actually killed by the sheriff, like in the story she told last episode. And so we see his corpse down here, along with the corpse of Hillary, the woman that Ruby was controlling. Apparently she needs their, like, lifeless blood to create the potions, and so she's keeping the corpses down here. Ruby takes that information on, you know, well, she's already seen a lot at this point, so she's pretty cool with that, but what she's angry about is how Christina lied to her and even, like, had sex with her under false pretenses. The blood makeup on Christina is hilariously bad in this scene. Mm -hmm. She goes over her reasoning for doing any of this, Mostly because, again, she wants to kill Captain Lancaster for killing William. And also, you know, her father and all the people around her are sexist pigs. And she must overcome them with her woman wiles, with her wily ways. Although, there is this part where, near the end, Christina also says something interesting, which is, the whole truth involves lost pages from the Book of Names and your family, which I thought it was Tick's family, not Ruby slash Letty's family that gave context to this story. Yes, I also thought about that, but then later on, we maybe get a minor revelation, which may discuss that. Oh, shit. We shall see. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Okay, so now we get a ton of exposition. Letty has the same dream about escaping the burning mansion with Hannah, and she tells Tick about it, but their dreams are a little bit different. In Tick's dream, Hannah was trying to say something. In Letty's dream, she didn't try to say anything, but she was holding a big book, and so they they des- they decide this must be the book of names, and they're like, well, it must be somewhere out there for us to find it. He mentions that Christina's trying to find a few pages. We're going to find the whole damn book so we can do a bunch more magic that we don't quite understand. Probably explode ourselves. Yeah, let's hope we don't explode ourselves and destroy the building we're in. Again. Across town, Montrose and Sammy are having breakfast together. But like, you know, because it's a good thing in his life, Montrose is ruining it. As always. Tick and Letty arrive, and Tick is really angry to find out that his dad is gay, and he calls him a slur, and leaves. Tick fucking sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He's a war criminal, and I don't know if he's a homophobe, but I do know he's a very angry boy who said a word that 2020 hates, as do I. And I'm truly not rooting for him to succeed anymore, and it's hurting my watching experience and the first half of this episode, because he's in it at all, and I kind of hate his face. Letty sticks around, though, and gets a clue from Montrose that Tick has some family. His mother's cousin lived in St. Louis, so maybe she has some insight into the family history and where the Book of Names might be. Okay, fine. Go to St. Louis. Talk to somebody else who knows more exposition. Sounds great. Tick sucks. They want to borrow Woody, but Hippolyta already has her plan set, so she turns Good. them down. Yes, Fuck them. (laughs) He comes in and she's like, you're not the center of the universe. I believe Letty has said this in a previous episode. Now get the fuck away from my car. So I guess they're going to take a bus to St. Louis. But Tick says, you know, you uh, you really don't need to come. Uh, It's just going to be exposition. 
You could stay and have some character moments in Chicago if you want. Oh, she's like, oh, perfect. I didn't want to go in the first place. Ruby will be babysitting D, and Letty decides to stick around to help as, you know, by way of an apology. And and actually, they have a scene where Letty, for, you know, maybe one of the first times in her life, actually apologizes to her sister for her conduct, and Ruby is surprised and accepts. At some point in this scene, D is playing card games with her friends and Letty, and one of D's friends says, when is Boba coming back? Meaning Emmett Till, who is assumably at this point on his trip to Mississippi, and right. that's and his, his nickname is Bobo, and yeah, they're like, and when's he coming back to Chicago? Yeah, very soon. Yeah, he's not coming back. Fuck. Hippolyta heads out on a road trip of her own, which she was not able to do when she was married to George. George was always like, oh, no, it's not safe, you know, for a black woman to travel the country her own. Better to let me go alone or you come along as a group trip. But she had always wanted to go alone, and now she's having a nice time heading out on her own. She gets passed by another black woman traveling alone on a motorcycle, much to her delight. Yeah, that woman is Bessie Springfield, who was an American motorcyclist. It was the first African-American woman to ride across the United States solo. It was one of the first civilian motorcycle dispatch riders for the U.S. Army in World War II. She's in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. I mean, just cool that she even was brought up. I would have never known about her unless she rode by Hippolyta. Right, which is a recurring theme of this year's uh, HBO run. It's like, oh, here's a historical tidbit I had never heard heard about you say hbo run not just lovecraft country what other show are you talking about it happened also in watchmen and also i think it happened a bit in perry mason as well yeah that's true they had a character that basically was fatty arbuckle and perry mason and in watchmen they had whom well not not necessarily real life characters i'm just saying historical events and stuff that we did not necessarily know about like in Watchmen, right and what was the one in watchman <laughs> the oklahoma black wall street riots i think uh, most people we, we discussed didn't know about that that's true and then i mean i learned a lot of things in in perry mason specifically i didn't know that like actually drinking alcohol was legal so if you had a bunch of alcohol in your house before prohibition that was still okay yeah it was only buying it that it wasn't very illegal uh, yeah and then uh, tulsa the tulsa massacre comes back up in lovecraft country so right, you're right which- yeah. It's just been a subtle history class this past year. Tick goes alone to St. Louis, where he visits an older woman, Mrs. Trudy, who was close friends with his mom's cousin, Ethel. They, in conversation, you know, realized that Ethel did talk about an important book in her family sometimes, but it was destroyed in the Black Wall Street Massacre, so that might be a dead end there. But she says, oh, I have some, some photo albums of the family. Why don't we take a look at those? Takes interested in that. Meanwhile, Letty and Ruby are babysitting together, and they're seeming to reconcile. However, while cooking, Letty seems to react strongly to the smell of garlic in, in whatever dish Ruby's making. And so either she could be pregnant or perhaps some kind of day-walking vampire. Mm, that second one is more likely. But yes, probably preggers. And do you believe that is your attached theory to it being Ruby's family in that it's Letty's child. Right. I think maybe Christina somehow knows about this and so she's like, oh, it's your family, right? Your family through your sister's kid. She's goddamn magic, James. Okay. We don't understand her ways. She can know whatever she wants to know. Whatever the writer tells her to know. She goes in the other room to get some air and in there Letty finds the sorry if it's the wrong word, guys, the orrery. It's uh, not. And- <laughs> oh, no, it's not. That's the point. It's been the right word the entire time. And she finds open and is able to read the coordinates and and realizes like oh yeah 
Hippolyta didn't go on a Green Book tour. She went to do some arcane esoteric magic shit and is probably endangered. So Letty relays that information to Tick and later he would just show up. And when he shows up, know that it's stupid and it was probably about eight hours by car or bus. And he gets there instantly. It's some, like, Varys Game of Thrones type shit. Right. Where exactly is Hippolyta? Kansas. So he goes from Missouri St. to Kansas. Louis to Kansas, yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't think about it. Not important no. to the story. No. <laughs> really just close your eyes throw that one away. Also, as he gets off the phone with Letty, Tick is seeing in the photo album that his either his mother or his cousin, it's not clear, had a similar birthmark that he has on his back. So they're related? Was that not known to him prior? Or? I'm sure there's something more important going on there that I don't fully understand or care about because I hate Tick. Hippolyta arrives at an astronomical observatory, which is uh, an interesting place for her to end up since we know she has a past of studying astronomy and even discovered a comet once. The key activates some kind of weird computer that is spitting out calculations for her to solve, which she's able to do because, again, background in math and science. And so she begins to solve them and the computer starts lighting up and this, you know, these, these wheels within wheels in the center of the computer begin spinning. The time where she was doing the math was really dumb. You know, there was actual, there was music happening and then it was very Sherlock as the math was all around her. Like right. she's Rain Man. And I was like, this feels superfluous. It feels like it didn't need to be happening. Uh, I was enthralled in the moment nonetheless you didn't have to just be watching Sherlock and be like, oh, I'm going to put that on my show, too. Two cops arrive in the scene and stick Hippolyta up, uh, but Tick comes to the rescue, right? He, he's like, I, I've been running for the past eight hours. Here I am. <laughs> I'm the goddamn Flash. He he saves her from the cops, but just then the machine opens up some kind of portal in the center of the room. Tick throws one of the cops in, and Hippolyta grabs that cop's gun and shoots the other cop in the heart right before the, the portal sucks her in. So, you know, I guess it, we got a tweet from someone that was like, Hippolyta murked that guy, which, I mean, he had a gun pointed at her, too. So, I don't know, reasonable self-defense. It could have been another guy that got pretty murked by Hippolyta as well. She murked a few guys this episode. Hippolyta is instantly transported to some kind of bizarre alien landscape with some sort of spacecraft on the horizon, and she is immediately abducted by robot-like aliens. She would eventually talk to a large robot-like alien, as you mentioned, who is also black and has a gigantic fro. And in the script, said alien's name is Beyond Say... B-E-Y-O-N-D space C apostrophe E-S-T. And holy... Yeah, that's some good (laughs) shit. I like that shit a lot. Also, when she wakes up inside what is possibly the spaceship she was just looking at, she's nude. And it was not the nudity I assumed that would happen from this show. A show in which I didn't think nudity would happen in the first place. Right. We had mentioned that last episode that uh, episodes one through six seemed to make it clear that like this was not going to be a nudity all the time HBO show. But then they kind of broke that rule in episode six and seven. And yeah, one person I did not expect to get nude was Hippolyta, but hey, there you go. Yeah, she wakes up nude on an operating table with some weird machines implanted in her arms. 
She is approached by an eight-foot-tall cyborg woman with enormous afro who Ryan just named as Beyond Say, and the cyborg informs her that she is locked inside of a prison. I know, doesn't she say that you're not in a prison? Well, her point is that, like, you're supposed to just kind of figure out where you want to be, and if you say it out loud, and if you name yourself within that world, you can be anywhere. This isn't a prison. But also, you can't leave, so it's kind of a prison. Taking apart the examination table... Hippolyta begins to engineer her own escape when the cyborg lady stops her as she opens the door. And yeah, as Ryan says, like, you can't leave, but it's not a prison. Just say where you want to be and you'll be there. And I think maybe, like, as a joke, Hippolyta's like, I want to be on stage in Paris dancing with Josephine Baker. But then in a flash, she is. And this is where the episode goes from bad to okay. And then this part is pretty great. Yeah. She goes to France with Josephine Baker. She's on stage suddenly. She has no fucking idea what she's doing. And then she relives this day over and over and over and over again, being on stage and doing the show better and better. And then being with Josephine Baker and all the other dancers at the after party that also, by the way, includes Frida. Frida's fucking there. And after she lives this day over and over and over and over again, she gets better at the show overall. And then ends it with a conversation with Josephine Baker where she has one or two quotes that like maybe top 10, top 20 even HBO quotes all time. I did not interpret this as like a Groundhog Day situation. I thought that she just like became a part of the cast of the show. That could also be true. It could just be in real time. Either way, she gets much better at it. And then at the end, her and Josephine Baker have a conversation discussing her feelings on all of the subjects. You know, this is in Paris where African-Americans went at the time because there was much less oppression there. Like Josephine Baker, she was the first African-American to be in a movie, a silent movie at that, but a movie nonetheless. And Hippolyta says to her at the end, Now that I've tasted it, freedom like I've never known before, I see what I was robbed of back then. All those years I thought I had everything I ever wanted, only to come here and discover all I ever was was the exact kind of Negro white folks wanted me to be. I feel like they've just found a smart way to lynch me without me noticing the noose. Which is Mm. a great fucking line. Yeah, that was good. And we should also say the entire time that she's in Paris on the show, she is smoking a lot of that OG dank kush. Lots of doobies. Yes. Yeah. Reefer. I think as they as they call they call it back then. But she seems to have gotten everything that she wanted from this experience. And so I think uh, trying to get back to her original life, she then starts screaming, I am Hippolyta. But now in a flash, she is a warrior in training somewhere in the desert. Yeah, they are the Dahomey Amazons. They are in Africa, and this same thing happens where either the day is happening repeatedly and she's getting better and better, or she's fighting the same lady over and over again and getting better nonetheless. So either way, she's getting very good at combat. Hippolyta completes her training and is given a golden helmet that she dons as she leads her warriors into battle against what appears to be some 19th century era soldiers. And they kill them all. And earlier you were laughing about Christina's terrible blood makeup. Uh, yeah. as, she, as she decapitates, what, like the, 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 the soldier captain or whatever, the CGI blood is horrible. <laughs> this might really be the bad. murking that said person was talking about, though. Okay. Because she chopped off his head and then kind of elbowed it off of a person's body. 
As more enemies approach, she gives a victory speech, which she ends with, I am Hippolyta, this time Georgia's wife. Oh, yeah. And this speech is Braveheart level shit. She does an amazing job. Again, ends it with, I am Hippolyta, Georgia's wife, which is a tearjerker of a line as well. And then, bing, bang, boom, we are back with a reunion with George. We're back to the scene that we met her in. And Courtney B. Vance is back as Uncle George. But this version of the scene is different because she gets up and she's like, I gotta tell you all of what's happening to me right now. Yeah, she wakes up next to George and explains everything to him. And amazingly, he just believes her at face value. I'd be like, honey, you've had a bizarre dream and uh, probably you've been taking drugs. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you been smoking reefer with Josephine? Again, you do this in your sleep a whole lot. No, but he's just like, mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And then she's like, by the way, the world isn't the only thing currently oppressing me. You did as well. And George immediately gets defensive, but then thinks about it a little bit and says, you know, you're right. I let you, I helped you shrink so that we could have a family so that I could do what I wanted to do and know you were safe at home waiting for me. And... Hypolita's like, yeah, man, yeah, you did. And it was for the first time, I think, that, and uh, perhaps outside of reality, which is sad, that George and Hippolyta were like true partners. Mm. It was goddamn inspirational. Yeah, and I gotta say, Hippolyta did not, in, in the first six episodes, have like a lot of time to shine in the show so far. And then, you know, uh, uh, you come to like her so much through this episode... And and it's almost like they wrote this kind of in a, like a clever way. It's like the other characters are like kind of crowding her out throughout the other episodes. Then she expresses that at the end of this one. And and yeah, as you said, George like takes responsibility for that. And he's like, right, I should have seen you for the person you are, not the person who I wanted you to be, not the domestic wife that I was looking for. Yeah, and and, and they they now she says Hippolyta Discoverer, and she takes his hand. And they're planet-hopping space explorers on the Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, and they look like their costumes, like the comic book heroes that Dee drew. Eventually, she runs into Beyond Say, the giant cyborg woman, who now appears as like some kind of astral space goddess. She gives Hippolyta the option of either becoming a space god or returning to her old life. And it seems like Hippolyta chooses her old life, right? But then we don't see her return to Earth. No, yeah. She says very specifically, I choose D. D needs me. I'm going to be the mother that I know D needs. But, right, Tick comes out of a portal of some kind. Right, and where was he? Yeah. And in his hand is a book called Lovecraft Country, but it's written by George Freeman, question mark. Yeah, Uncle George, yeah. As you said, Hippolyta does not show up, so where the fuck did Tick go during this time? Why was that book there, and where's Hippolyta, dude? Sirens are wailing as more police arrive on the scene. Tick flees the scene of the crime, but does not realize that... Under the body of the shot cop is D's signed comic, so implicating the Freeman family in that way. Although I, I, the cops aren't going to be like, so where's this guy's partner? It seems like, uh, you know, based on the footprints, he's standing here and then completely disappeared. <laughs> then one other person's like, I mean, he could have been pulled into a dimensional portal. And they're like, you know what, Robinson? That's an open and shut case. It's exactly what happened. Yeah, I really wonder what happened to Hippolyta. She's like hanging in the multiverse with Doctor Who and Rick and Morty and Doraemon. 
What are you doing? I don't know. I-, I would also say, you know, don't let the second half of this episode that was some next level sci-fi achievement shit mm. let you forget that the first half of this was expedition dump after expedition dump starring one of the most unlikable characters in HBO history. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Tick as much as you do. I hate him. He is kind of a jerk to all the other characters uh, at various times. I feel like we're supposed to be okay with it. We're supposed to have gotten the context for why he is this way, and we're supposed to see him in an empathetic light. Right. But I don't. <laughs> the only character it makes sense that he might treat poorly is Montrose, right? But that doesn't really explain. The times where he's treated Letty pretty badly, because, like, she's only been yeah. kind to him. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, it doesn't explain the murders, the, the, the civilian killing in Korea. But, I mean, you know, like he said, yeah, like the Nuremberg rally defense. I was only following orders. Not an actionable defense in war crimes, though. Uh, in the no. U.S. military, you you do always have the option to turn down orders. You know, you'd get some kind of punishment for it, but you, you know, you, the option is available to you. You know what? You know what, James? We spent an entire comedic podcast talking about war crimes last time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this time, <laughs> maybe this yeah. time we go for a little bit more of the ha ha's, more of the larfs. And right. less of the tick yeah, shooting. Yeah, we're, we're going to save people. this content for Ryan and I's new podcast venture where we just try to riff on some of history's most despicable war crimes. That'll be coming out next month. Yeah, it's called Despicable War Crimes, actually, with James and Ryan. There will be no laughter, only sadness, hopefully a few tears. But yes, and by the way, on the Lovecraft Country Reddit, there are two threads. One of which is like, hey, if you haven't read the book, what do you think of the story? What do you think of the episode? And that one is very focused on the second half of said episode in that it's very good. And then there's another thread where it's only people who have also read the books. And I want to read the first comment on that one because I think it will give some context for what they're feeling right now, which I think is slightly important. So this is the only episode that's really disappointed me. Hippolyta's chapter was one of my favorite parts of the book, and I haven't liked her story as it's been handled so far because it was making her less of a partner of George and more of the I'll stay home and you go out and have adventures. So apparently it was not that way in the book. I was really looking forward to see her get involved with the main storyline, but instead we got another self-empowerment story that doesn't connect at all. As its own standalone story, I did enjoy seeing Hippolyta feel more powerful slash discover herself, but I wish we had gotten a little more of the book storyline. So apparently in the book, this story meshes into the Christina slash Caleb in the book, and she was a partner to begin with with George. She didn't have to fight for it as hard. So that's how the book is different. And again, I think every time I read one of these, I'm like, hmm, I, I, it was good. I just kind of do wish they did something closer to the book, which usually, you know, I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Some of the mm-hmm. best stuff about the Lord of the Rings movies are the adaptions where Peter Jackson was like, ah, I mean, we can't put all of this in there. I have to write around some things and I have to smooth them over. And his adaptions are doing them well is what made it so great for me personally. It feels like there aren't adaptions from book to TV show here. It feels like instead of adaptions, they're just kind of changing shit and hoping for the best. Hmm. Well, uh, again, this 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 idea to me is now lending credence to the fact that this will be a miniseries and not a season two joint because we're, we're still waiting on an announcement for season two. Raised by Wolves got a season two announcement much faster than this. 
And it's just what the discussion that you're having right now, comparing the events that happened to the book, and it sounds like we're moving quite quickly through the events of the book. This oh, yeah. might be a, a, a one season joint, which would be personally a letdown to me. But you know, uh, same thing with Watchmen. I'd really like a season two, but you know, one of the big things in the whole discourse of Watchmen, the Alan Moore kind of discussion, it's like how much should we respect the creative vision, right? And if Misha Green only wanted this to be one season, maybe we we can kind of trust her intuition. Yeah, I also found out just through some sleuthing. Hmm. That the Reddit community is very positive, or at least the non-book community, is very positive on Lovecraft Country. It's almost 100% positive 100% of the time. Hmm. But this show is also getting pretty review-bombed. Like, a lot of critics kind of hate it. And I don't know how much of it is the critics watching the first four episodes and actually hating it. But you also have to think, Are you, but you also have to ask yourself i think like how much of the hate is to do with the fact that it's a different kind of show starring a different kind of person who is not usually at the forefront of these shows how much of it is uh, i don't want to say racist i just want to say maybe subconsciously racist that it's just odd to see you know the first five people 10 people i mean other than christina on the cast list being black like uh, although to be fair like we talk about every time this show has some major consistency issues where some episodes have been really great and some episodes have been subpar. And then this episode, I think, is a good example of like they put a subpar episode together with a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. I'll say great. I'll put I'll say lackluster first half and then a great second half. It was like they put the up and down inconsistency issues into one episode. So I do get some review bombs. But also a part of me thinks people are fucking racist, I don't know. Well, looking at Metacritic right now, it's got a pretty good professional critic score, 79%. Really good for Metacritic. The user score, 44%, is definitely not fair. And I would say that's probably a political meta discussion that people are having around their personal politics as it relates to the show, which always fucking annoys me. Get over yourself. And we talked about this with Watchmen, too. It's it's like if you're so hyper-politicized that you can't just appreciate a piece of fiction on its own merits, it's like you probably shouldn't be watching TV to begin with, man. Just stick with fucking sports or something. But even that, you know, sports are very political, too. There's nowhere to go. Move out into the woods like Henry David Thoreau and don't bother us. Certainly don't yeah. be on Metacritic. Close your eyes. Scream until your voice is hoarse so you can't hear anything. And for reference, the Metacritic score for Perry Mason is 67. User score is 60. Watchmen, it is user score 55, which I think is uh, Yeah, outrageous. It just thing. it goes to show you. Perry Mason, oh, for some reason, though, that show didn't get review bombed. I wonder what... I wonder what the reason could be. Goddamn Watchmen racism, James. <laughs> And by the way, the critic score, the metal score, the one that's not users for Watchmen is 85. And mm-hmm. by the way, it just won a shit ton of Emmys to boot. So yeah, goddamn racist. But the thing is, like, if I had to take those three shows and currently rank them, I do think at this point I put, you know, add Raised by Wolves. If I add Raised by Wolves, I think... Uh, yeah, 2020 HBO shows we watched. Okay, four is currently raised by wolves. Well, five is Westworld. <laughs> oh, you know, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mean, Westworld 
suffers from a lot of the same things Lovecraft does, which is consistency issues, but also because they're, they totally promised you that Caleb's character was on the whiteboard since season one. That shit was going to happen the whole time. No. Fuck you guys. No, if, I don't believe you're that. So, you're Show so me wrong. the picture of the whiteboard then if that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Westworld 5, Raised by Wolves 4, because it seems as though the ending is really getting away from them, but they could pull it out. And if they do pull it out, it will be truly impressive. Lovecraft Country 3, due to consistency issues. Perry Mason 2, because it was just an overall good show. And Watchmen 1, because the source material is some of the best source material in fiction, in my opinion. And Damon Lindelof motherfucking killed it. Interesting. I would, I would do much the same. Much the same. Coming in at 5, Westworld. After that, Raised by Wolves. Then Lovecraft Country. Then Watchmen, then Perry Mason, you I would like say. Yeah, yeah, you, a little bit more. I mean, I like, I like. Jamie, 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 what do you, what do you, why, man? What, what, do, what are you feeling? Why? <laughs> I mean, I liked them all a lot. Don't deflect. <laughs> I just thought, uh, I mean, the, I didn't actually like them all. I didn't like Westworld season three very much at all. Sure. But I, sure. I liked the other shows a lot. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, I really liked Watchmen. I just thought it was and and I you know we talked about this time the ending was quite rushed. Oh yeah, and, sure. And well, the ending to the co- original comics quite rushed, right? So maybe that they're paying a homage there or something. I don't know. Whereas I don't know. I, for me, Perry Mason was like a damn near perfect show. I know you didn't like it quite as much, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough call between those two. But I think uh, I mean I I, I have to watch them both both seasons again yeah. at some point. Well, you know, getting back to Lovecraft Country. I think at this point we just sound like broken records, basically saying that the ending has been laid out for them, and if they stick it, it's going to be a particularly good show with some weird low points where it seems like the writers went to sleep and then had like a algorithm write the episode, and then they woke up, they're like, oh, I'll take over again, okie dokie, sci-fi space, D's comic, Hippolyta's a hero again. A middle-aged black woman, a sci-fi hero, goddamn truly unique experience in television history, and then and then they fall back asleep, and, and it's like, what's Christina's issues? <laughs> and you're like, oh my right. god, I, I don't care, holy shit. Plus, Tick is awful. So, so I mean, that could be a way they could do a season two, is if it were all like sci-fi horror Lovecraft vignettes. And you just ditch this whole serialized like uh, plot line that runs through it, right? I I would be really into that, but I mean, then you're basically you're talking about the Twilight Zone, right? And uh, yeah, Jordan Peele already did the Twilight Zone, and it sure. was not very good. <laughs> oh no! So like, I expect them to pull off a good ending that is satisfactory. Yeah. If they pull off an ending of this show where at the end i'm like oh my god i like tick and i totally get why he did everything that he did it will be a fucking miracle but that will be a great show right like if they get me to completely empathize with tick in the next three episodes more power to you clap 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 you're one of the greatest showrunners of all time you fucking pulled off a magic trick that no one and by no one, I mean me. I was, I'm, I'm generalizing, but that I could, didn't think you were able to do. I absolutely think them sticking the landing is incredibly possible. And in fact, I think it's probable. I just don't, I think I'll get to the end of it and be like, I mean, Tick kind of still sucks though. 
The next episode is going to be the first one directed by showrunner and head writer Misha Green, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's got a title I'm not 100% comfortable saying, (laughs) but we will be catching it next week, and hopefully you guys will be here with us. Again, guys, thanks for listening. If you just listened, it means a lot. If you'd like to do more to support the show, you can follow us on social media. (laughs) Oh, that is a tough, that is a tough title. I just looked at it. Oh, I think you <laughs> yeah. made a good decision. Everyone just go Google it. That's I, Two 30-year-old white dudes cannot say this title, I believe. We got some very nice reviews this summer from people since we started asking people to review the show at the end of the episode. I just want to shout out the people that did on, on iTunes or the Apple podcast. It's now. Ha, you looked it up because I said that guy said mean things about us, didn't you? Well, yeah, I'll get there. Joe Zarain, thank you. <laughs> Mother of Shih Tzu's, Andy Nick, thanks for leaving reviews. Well, Professor R, this is a mostly positive review. He's just like, look up the definition of Ori's idiots. Hey, we did. We just didn't know it right away, okay? But I mostly positive review, so thanks anyway. You know, I was actually, I was listening to our Westworld podcast. Remember when we were the Westworld podcast, James? I was mm-hmm. listening to our Unforgiven recap and review, mm-hmm. and we thanked everybody for getting us to 50,000 plays. And mm. I was like, I wonder where we are now. We are at 165,000 plays, which yeah. is a bunch. It's so much. I mean, we are a relatively very, very small podcast, but I really appreciate everyone who keeps showing up and keeps listening to our show. I mean, I'm doing a solo show where I, we don't, I don't have like the best part of our show, which is obviously you, James. And people uh-huh. still listen to it. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's why I don't listen to your solo shows either. I get that. I, I'm, I'm showing up for my no. own voice. No, no, I have been listening to Hunter Hunter. I, I like it very much. You know, the episode, of our old episode that I always go back to, and unfortunately it's, it's a patrons-only episode, is is the Star Wars review I just find really funny. Yeah. Um, I think we're really on. It's too bad the audio is fucked in that episode. Yeah. Oh, this Wednesday... I'm unlocking relationship advice, though. Yeah, check that out, guys. If if you're interested in what we the weird shit we're getting up to on the Patreon, uh, that 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 that's a good example of it. It really yeah, is. Yeah, we're not doing and Raised by Wolves this week because because it's too suck and my kids are out of school and 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 if I tried to record with them, you'd have my my son coming in like, Dad, what are you doing? Who are you talking <laughs> to the entire time? To be fair, from his perspective, who would you be talking to? You're like you're talking to the wall, Dad. Okay. What's a dong? <laughs> oh, son, I guess it's time. Take a seat. Take a take a seat. And I will explain to you Dong Watch 2020. But anyway, thank you to everybody who's reviewing. It means a lot. And if you'd like to support the show financially, we have a ton of back content hosted up for free for anyone to listen to if you want to check that out. And that is due to the patronage of our kind patrons who pay to keep that audio hosted. And if you want to help them out and help us out to support the show, you can find us on patreon.com slash HBO Boys, B-O-I-Z. And for a dollar or more, you get bonus episodes a discord chat where you can talk and you can complain to ryan and i personally about how we don't know the definitions of words and you can also get your name shouted out at the end of each mainstay episode that's true and it's what i'm about to do hardboiled greg nicole day 11 podcast james watch my dong yeah i'm watching it and i'm I'm adding it to the the dong count list ryan said no it wasn't on hbo i said i don't care i'm i'm the captain of the dong watch and i'm putting it on there that's true i've been a naysayer for years Cliff Wilding, Hello underscore Yo, Atheist is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Day 11 Westworld, Craig Bachman, John Jurz, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you, all you dream cowboys, you hashtag Clementine Pennyfeather, best names, you total dick.
Devons for the monies. We really appreciate it. And we will be back next week for Lovecraft Country season one or or no oh no not season one just overall episode eight directed by What's misha name, green James? i i forget and written by misha <laughs> green and iluma ofordia fucking shit <laughs> don't keep that in no nope, misha green it. and ioma ioma of this is some scandinavian we got another danish person here ioma ofordia ofordia <laughs> You, well, you say it. <laughs> Hold on. Let me Again, every time Let me this go. happens, I also have a nine-letter ethnic name, which is hard to pronounce upon reading it the first time. So oh, I'm not. I'm not making. Name? I'm not making a joke at this person's expense. Is this on IMDb? Where do you see the shit? This is on the wiki. God damn it! Just head over to namepronouncer.com. Pronounce names.com rather. Put in oh, the old. Boy. Oford, Oford, Offerdire. Yeah, the pronunciation of this name is unknown. Okay, so even pronounce names.com doesn't. You, doesn't... you, Homa Ofordier. Ofordier? No what's so the, the, the R is silent? Yeah, o- Oferdire. Just... Oferdire, yeah. yeah. Iloma, I, Ihoma Ofordier. You can't leave this in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving every bit of this in. Okay, bye! <laughs> <laughs>